Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Fellowship Series on the AOC PMNR podcast. I'm Chanel Davidoff, and I'll be your host for the show. If you're new to the podcast in this series, we're dedicated to learning all about fellowships in PMNR, as well as chat with current fellows and early career attendings about their unique experiences and career paths. All right, I'll stop talking and introduce our very special guest today. It's Dr. Komal Patel. Dr. Patel is a brain injury trained physiatrist currently working as an attending at the George Washington University in DC. Uh, he completed his fellowship not too long ago um, where he did his training at Zucker School of Medicine at Hofstra Northwell on Long Island. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me, Chanel. It's great to be here. Um, it's great to reach out to fellow PMNR residents, medical students that are interested in PMNR and just get really the word out about PMNR to the community. So. We're so happy to have you here. Um, let's start off with an introduction. Can you tell our listeners just a little bit about yourself, where you're from, and how you got into the field? Yeah, certainly. I mean, so my my introduction to PMNR was a little bit different than when I talked to my colleagues about how they learned about PMNR. Um, when we think about other medical students, I feel like we people kind of know sometimes what they want to get into, where I was kind of the complete opposite. I had no idea what I wanted to do. <laughs> uh, so I actually initially learned about PMNR in my fourth year of medical school. And thankfully it happened like right before my applications were due for residency. Um, I actually kind of not knowing what I wanted to do, applied to internal medicine, thinking I like medicine. I can figure out if I like a specialty in medicine later on. Um, it gives me a little bit more time. Um, but really having that introduction, PMNR rotation in my early fourth year allowed me to learn what it is. Um, and it's funny because I had a best friend through medical school who was gung-ho about PMNR and loves PMNR and wanted to do it. And even still then, I didn't really have an idea as to what it was. <laughs> so, uh, But thankfully, things worked out. I ended up going to residency um, in Long Island at Northwell. And so I got a great education there and I ended up staying on there for my traumatic brain injury fellowship for another year. Yeah, you seem to have a similar story to a lot of, of students that tell me like, you know, they discovered PM&R kind of late in the game. Do, I don't know. Do you think that there just needs to be more PM&R exposure in, in medical school or where do you think that comes from? Certainly. So I think PM&R in itself is a, certainly a growing field. Um, and things like this podcast and other um, advocacy things, I think certainly help the field overall. Um, from my exposure on the different organizations, um, talking to different medical students, I certainly feel that PMNR is getting more exposure during medical school electives and rotations. Uh, but certainly, I think there needs to be more kind of interest groups or um, advocacy for PMNR to be involved in our medical school education. Um, it's right now it's still considered a smaller field, but I think a lot of people are becoming interested in it because of the great things you can accomplish through it. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. Speaking of residency, what was it like for you? So residency, I will say was a busy time. It was a fun time though. We got exposure in Long Island, we got exposure to a lot of different things. I know certain residency programs are known for either being super specialized in inpatient versus outpatient or even spinal cord injury or traumatic brain injury. Um, and some places have fellowships in their programs already. 
I felt like my residency allowed me to the opportunity to learn a little bit of everything, which I appreciated. And I think that fit in well with me because I did like that general medicine aspect. So it helped in the sense of I was learning a little bit about everything and it allowed me to kind of figure out what I wanted to do. I, I think through residency, no matter what you do, whether it's PM&R or you do something else, it's always going to be busy. But certainly I think the people that you're around help a lot in terms of doing things during your residency time and doing things outside of residency. Um, so it makes it a fun time in that sense. So I think finding that right fit for you is certainly something to look for. Yeah, I echo that. I really think it it really makes a difference um, who you're surrounded by and kind of the culture and environment you're in that really makes a difference for your experience and how you work together and everything, especially in residency where things are so busy. And I think that spans across all specialties, you know, not just medicine, um, but PM&R too, which many people don't realize how busy we get, you know, especially on those inpatient services. So what exactly drew you to the field of traumatic brain injury? So kind of like I mentioned, I didn't really know coming into PM&R, I knew what PM&R was because of my medical school rotations, but I thought I liked PM&R because I saw more of the sports aspect, the musculoskeletal aspect. And I think that played in part into being an osteopath and how that connected with learning OMT and learning um, about the neuromuscular systems and being focused more on that. Um, and so I thought I played sports as a kid. I love sports and I love watching sports. So kind of seems like the right fit of being musculoskeletal related and allows me to pursue uh a position in sports medicine eventually. And so I actually came in thinking, hey, I think I want to do sports medicine. Um, but then eventually kind of going through residency, doing my inpatient rotations, I learned that I actually like being in the hospital and working at the hospital, which is a weird thing, I guess, to say out loud. <laughs> but um, I enjoyed it. And it allowed me actually to learn that with traumatic brain injury, you see and you deal with a lot of medical aspects and med medical care of a patient. And so it was that right mix for me to say, I get to do some medicine, I get to do rehab. And thankfully with traumatic brain injury, dealing with patients that have concussions, it also covers a little bit of that sports basis for me. Um, the other thing I'll say about my exposure to TBI through residency is that you really get to know and deal with the families. I think you really spend a lot of time with them and go through some of the hardest times for them, especially when they're taking care of a loved one. Um, so I think that really brought out what I liked in TBI. That's a lot more than what I thought, you know, TBI and Compass, right? In residency, you just, you're on the unit, right? You're in the brain injury unit. And this is kind of all you see, those anoxic brain injuries, those strokes, those tumors, and it's kind of disheartening, you know, but you never really think of TBI being more than just that, like across the spectrum of care. So I will say, I think when I was doing research on PM&R, when I first was applying, I did hear about combined medicine and PM&R programs. I don't know if they exist anymore, um, but that's kind of where I found that balance of musculoskeletal and medicine. Um, and also to kind of touch base on what you said with residency, dealing with a lot of inpatient TBI, it can be disheartening because a lot of, unfortunately, a lot of the folks that you see as a resident are on that inpatient unit. And if they're needing inpatient rehab, a lot of times they're more severe traumatic brain injuries. And so you don't get to see the folks that really come to the hospital and leave straight from the hospital or the outpatient world where it may not be as severe of a head injury. The other thing that I got 
exposure to as a fellow, I think that I had no idea was a part or would be a part of my job is educating kind of the younger elementary school, middle school with this big movement in sports with concussion. I think a lot of education with safety during practice, safety during games, um, kids riding their bikes and wearing helmets, even simple things like that. I didn't really think about that became part of my job. Especially concussion is just a very hot topic with families in general, people who have children. So just getting out there in the community and being a specialist, giving advice to, to people out there. So uh, what was it like doing your training in New York? Yeah, so um, I grew up in Jersey, so not too far. And then I stayed okay. kind of really in the area. Um, but New York is a special place in my heart, I feel like, because there's so much diversity. You meet so many different people. Um, the healthcare system there is, there's so many different hospitals and healthcare systems that I think you get a chance to really learn from other professionals, other docs, other residents on how their programs are. Um, in New York, you have the New York Society of PMNR, which kind of helps you connect with other residents in the area. Um, so I think it certainly helps to learn about others' experiences and kind of what they're going through during their residency. Um, and of course, I think no matter where you go for residency, I think your life outside of residency is important. So New York certainly allows for exploring different foods or different activities. So it was, it was oh, a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> Did you have any mentors along the way that kind of influenced your decision to go into brain injury? Um, I certainly did. Uh, initially, I think my first year of residency, um, I think you're still learning kind of the health system, learning how things work. You're learning who the specialists are that you're dealing with. So at that point, it was a little hard to really kind of transition into finding a mentor, really figuring out what I wanted to do. Um, I think I really decided after, or during my third year of residency what I wanted to do. Um, and that was part of, um, part of the mentors I had, I think. Um, so some of the physicians that I dealt with were inpatient rehab docs. They did also outpatient. Um, and they were not only just focused on TBI, I also had mentors that were spinal cord injury docs. And I think um, there are overlap in the different subspecialties of PM&R, um, like spinal cord injury, traumatic brain injury, they both kind of do inpatient rehab, they do outpatient rehab. So their lives are similar in that sense. Whereas if you think of folks that may do sports medicine or do um, spine care, they may be more based on the outpatient side. So you kind of learn from both, but also um, the mentors help to really guide what they did in their, their careers. And so that helped me, I think. Yeah. So you would agree that it's really important to have those people in your, in your training to kind of guide you forward. Yeah, I think it certainly is. I think it helped. And even if there's someone just to kind of chat about everyday life, I think it's been a good we talk a lot about burnout these days in medicine and residency. So I think it's a good outlet to kind of utilize. And I think it's important to, we always think about mentors being these well-seasoned people. I think it's also important to have younger mentors too, that kind of can guide you about your transition from being a medical student to a resident, to a fellow, to an attending. So I will say now that I'm a, I guess, a junior attending or a young attending, whatever you want to call it. Um, I still keep in touch with my mentors and I think it's nice to kind of talk about life outside of work and outside of medicine too. It's, it's a good relationship to kind of uh, develop. 
Absolutely. So did you do any uh, additional elective rotations in brain injury when you were a resident? I did. So our, thankfully, I got a chance to do an elective over in Pittsburgh. Um, they were, my mentor from Northwell um, did her fellowship there, and I think that helped me to kind of see what their program had to offer. Um, and so I also wanted to get a sense of what medicine was like in uh, Western Pennsylvania. So that gave me a chance to really experience the culture there, the type of patient population they saw, um, the severity of brain injuries that they saw. And it, I think it just helps as PMR being a small field to develop relationships. Um, you, you learn that everyone really knows everyone in PMR. <laughs> right. And even more so probably as you further specialize in, in brain injury, I can imagine. Certainly. So what did you look for in a, in a program when you were applying? Um, so I think TBI fellowship is a newer or newly accredited fellowship. I think it, it, they just started uh, their accreditation process a few years ago. Um, and so that was one thing that I was looking for. Uh, I think a lot of the TBI programs, some were more well-established than others. Um, and really, like you mentioned, the more specialized you get, the smaller pool of physicians you, you have and the more people know each other and you kind of learn who's like the the big heads are the ones that do a lot of research or know a lot of information. Um, and so you want to learn from them, of course. And so uh, I think that also played a part into it. And then also location was a big thing for me. Um, being close to family, friends, I think played a part into where I decided to stay. So once you decided what you were looking for in a program, what was the application process like? Okay, give us like that general timeline that someone who's interested in applying should expect. Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, it's each fellowship is certainly different with TBI in itself. So I had started kind of building up my CV for that once I decided that I wanted to do TBI. So around my third year of residency, I started looking for different research projects I could join into, um, how to get involved into things that were related to TBI. And towards the, let's say like middle of my uh, third year, I decided to apply and get my application processes ready. For TBI, when I applied, it used to be each program had their own application online and you had to basically contact them. Now there's a more centralized application process. Um, and so the deadlines kind of vary based off of what the programs decide. But I think starting in your like mid uh, third year is certainly a good time to kind of get yourself involved if you know you want to do TBI. Um, and I think having those mentors certainly help you to guide you through that process. What are some of those opportunities you did in residency to kind of uh, show your interest in, in TBI? Yeah, so um, I looked at, so I tried to get involved in some research projects. Um, so I looked at different things related to concussion. At our residency program, we had a uh, overarching, I guess, concussion program um, in the, our health system. So I tried to be involved in that. And that was the multidisciplinary um, concussion team, which included some neurosurgeons, some neurologists, some PMR docs, some medicine docs. So um, it was good to kind of be involved in that and see how that played out. And then also I was involved in um, a concussion day that we had or a brain injury day that we did um, at Northwell. So that helped me to get involved in that as well. Um, and I think looking at different 
volunteer activities that you can do, whether if it's like Special Olympics or um, things like that, I think certainly help with uh, getting exposed to different patient populations as well. And so you got a fellowship, you went to Northwell, yeah. you stayed at Northwell for your TVI fellowship. So tell us what that was like. What were the best things and the most challenging things that you would say? Yeah, so I decided to stay at Northwell for that extra year to do my fellowship. Um, I think some of the best things I think that helped me in my fellowship year. So um, I got some different advice from folks on whether or not I should stay at the program or I should try another health system or another location. Um, and I think one of the best things about me deciding to stay at Northwell was that I didn't really have to go through that transition period again of learning different doctors, learning different staff, learning the healthcare system, learning the EMR even. Um, and so that really allowed me to set my fellowship year up to really just start from day one on getting things done, whether that was related to research, related to different projects that I wanted to do. And even before fellowship even started, I kind of had that time my fourth year to start things that I wanted to do during my fellowship year. So that really helped. And also just knowing kind of how things work made it easier to transition. Um, I will say one of the harder things also with that is that I was just a resident and I turned into a fellow and being that Northwell was a new pro new brain injury fellowship that year, it was hard to get folks to really see me as a fellow not necessarily from the physician side, but more from like nurses, from therapists. And it was, I was the first fellow there, so they didn't really know what to expect from me, what my role was. So that was a little bit tough in kind of building that up. Right. You were in this just weird limbo phase where, wow, we have a new fellow, but he was also a resident, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people don't know what the terms even mean, right? Like from intern to resident to fellow, like you're a doctor, but why have these designations, but so kind of def defining your role was a big part of my fellowship year as well. So I know it's been some time since you did your fellowship, but um, can you remember what you liked best about the curriculum that Northwell's program has? Yeah, certainly. So the best thing that I enjoyed, so I liked a lot of um, ICU consults and seeing folks when they first had their traumatic brain injury. Um, and so we had a pretty robust trauma team that was very open to having PM&R part of the conversations, especially early on, which was nice. Um, I've had experience where consults are just basically about discussion, and that was not something that I really found interesting. And so I think having that side of how can we get this patient to be more aroused or less agitated? Um, and how do we get them to a good point where they are good candidates for acute rehab or for rehab later on? Um, and I think being there from the beginning also allows you to see the patient's progression through their recovery, which was amazing to me. So being very involved in the ICU part of it was one of the best aspects, I think, of the curriculum at Northwell. Um, and I will say, just talking about going into PMNR residency and doing your intern year, I've heard things of folks wanting an easier intern year versus a harder intern year. And I think it really varies on who you are as a person. But I will say that having a more robust medicine intern year certainly helped me through my residency and fellowship. So, Yeah, absolutely. I echo that. And to your point about... Um, 
you know, being a physiatrist and show having that value on consults. Um, you know, I'm I'm at Northwell. I'm a resident at Northwell, so I'm a little biased as well as you. <laughs> but I did find that that rotation um, with Dr. Sabini, shout out Dr. Sabini, um, the relationship she has with uh, the surgeons and the ICU uh, attendings and physicians and staff in general is is second to none. I mean, they respect her her opinions on on brain injury in general and what she can offer. And I just loved that value she brought to the table. So, and it was really cool to see a physiatrist kind of have that place at a place at the table in the ICU, which is great. Yeah. I mean, it's funny to think that physiatrists are in the ICU because I mean, when people think about us, they really think about um, more like being either in acute rehab or outpatient. But um, I remember even seeing memes about joking about why is PM&R in the ICU. <laughs> um, but I think it's certainly we add value to it. And I think that's certainly a part of my PM&R training and also my training as a DO, kind of looking at more of a holistic picture of not only just the patient's injuries, but also their social situations, their psychological situations, their mental state, things like that. I think it helps to have that kind of broader scope of where do we see this patient going um, and how do we see them recovering? Very good point. So what do you find now that you're in attending, what is your role uh, with where you are and what you do? Are you doing consults? Are you doing outpatient? Yeah, so that's, so uh, my job right now, um, being at George Washington University Hospital, um, we have a small division of PM&R right now. Um, there's four of us here. So I'm kind of taking on a few different roles as the brain injury specialist. Um, I do primarily um, a mix of outpatient and inpatient. Um, and then a little bit of consults during my outpatient weeks as well. So I'm seeing folks um, that are in the ICU, on the medical floors, on consults, um, and then also some brain injury as an outpatient. And then my inpatient days are more of, I'm seeing kind of the general PM&R uh, folks on the acute rehab, which is a good mix of doing a little bit of everything. Um, at times it can be a little bit much just because you're kind of juggle a few different things, but I think it allows for a variety and seeing a different, what the patient's looking for. So I think it, it helps me in that sense. And what do you, what do you find that is something that people don't expect a, a brain injury specialist manages? Um, so I think a lot of times folks, so I've had some, so part of uh, GW's medical system, PM&R is still like a new specialty that we're offering now. Um, and so in that sense, we're still kind of developing the knowledge base of what PM&R is, what PM&R does. Um, and so kind of educating these folks that we do treat folks that have spasticity, that we do treat bowel and bladder management, that we do things with skin. Um, and how do we really prevent these things from getting worse? Um, and so a lot of times on consults, um, a lot of our consults actually come from our therapists that are seeing the patients on the floors requesting that one of us see the patient. And so sometimes the teams may question, oh, why do we need a PM&R to, physician to see this person? Um, and so I think educating folks that we do deal with kind of different aspects of care and not only just musculoskeletal care, um, certainly 
astonishes people, but also is like, oh yeah, we can actually use your service. So it's great in that sense. Thankfully at our health system, they've been supportive in us getting like botulinum toxin on the inpatient side. Um, so I've been able to do some of that as patients are on the acute medical floors or even on our rehab floors. Um, we've gotten to do uh, joint injections on the floors, which has been nice. But a lot of it is reserved for outpatient things like intrathecal baclofen pump refills um, is primarily done on our outpatient side. But I'll tell you, my first week when I started here, I got a call from the ED and I was shocked because I was like, why is the ED calling me? But it was for a patient that had a baclofen pump that was empty and they didn't really know who to go to. So they 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 came to us and we were able to refill it for them. So. Great. So someone was educated down there about what we do, <laughs> which is awesome to hear. Yeah. <laughs> so in addition to your clinical duties, are you involved with any academic projects or research projects? Yeah. So um, academic wise, we do have a PM&R interest group at uh, the George Washington Medical School. Um, so I've been a part of their interest group. We do try to do a like a round table or a panel once a year to kind of talk to medical students about what PMR is, um, things that we do, what our day to day is like, um, seeing if they're interested. Um, in addition to that, we're part of their medical specialty night where we talk to medical students about what the application process is like, um, what residency is like. Um, and then from a research perspective, I've gotten a chance to be involved in, um, we have a few occupational therapists that are doing their PhDs. And so they're looking at some studies related to um, how we communicate outcomes to patients with TBI and how we communicate that to um, folks, their patients' families. Because um, the coma recovery scale we use pretty frequently to to assess how a patient is doing, but how does that actually get communicated to a patient's family and what does that mean to them? So we're looking at ways to make that easier. And then I have had the opportunity or I've been asked to be involved in some trials um, that some pharmaceutical companies are doing. So we're in the works to try to work through some of that, which will be interesting to see how that goes. That's amazing. Um, so going back to that, the project about communicating uh, prognosis and recovery, I find that that would be useful as a resident. We know the textbook meaning of recovery prognosis, but how do you communicate that to, to families? Like, I find that that would be really useful even for my own knowledge. So thank you. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's certainly, and it's certainly something that I thought about, like, as I came closer to the end of my residency and fellowship of like, how do we tell patients, families, like what they're going to be like in a few months or a few years, or what is what we do really mean to them? Um, it's always interesting to put yourself on the other side of the, the table and kind of see what it's like to be a patient's family and what kind of information do you get and how do you interpret that information. Right. I feel like I always end up just saying we don't have a crystal ball, but this is what the data shows, stuff like that. So uh, definitely would be useful in the future. So Dr. Patel, you are a DO, so you know I'm going to ask you this. Um, <laughs> where do you see osteopathic medicine uh, fitting in with brain injury medicine? Yeah, that's a very good question. So I've actually been asked that before um, and, and kind of asked why I chose the route of being a DO and then ended up in brain injury. And I think part of it is, like I mentioned, I think part of training as a DO, you get a more holistic approach 
And I think that helped with brain injury because, or PMNR in general, I'd say, because we really do look at how a patient was functioning before, what their lifestyle was before, what they enjoyed to do. Um, and I think what activities would get them motivated to kind of recover, things of that nature. Um, speaking about uh, being a DO and kind of research, I did have the opportunity to be involved in a study that looked at um, cranial OMT in concussion patients. So I think there is certainly room. We think of OMT being more related to pain and how do we deal with musculoskeletal injuries, but I think there is room to do more research and learn about what we can do in folks that have concussions and that we treat either their neck symptoms with OMT or we treat cranial dysfunction with OMT. Uh, I think being a DO, it allows you to be good with your hands. And I think you certainly need that as a physiatrist. Oh, absolutely. I think it complements the field greatly, but you know, people don't really think of brain injury medicine as something that we can utilize our, our OMT skills. Um, and so cranial is definitely uh, one of those things. And that's a really interesting study that uh, you were a part of. Do you mind just telling us a little bit about that? Yeah, certainly. So a lot of times with folks with concussion, um, a lot of times they deal with headaches. Um, and so a lot of those headaches most of the time come from the neck. Um, and so treating their neck and treating their uh, cranial dysfunctions, we wanted to see really are we seeing any worsening of symptoms? Are we seeing any symptoms get better? Um, and so with this study, we really looked at just, is it safe to do OMT in these folks? And so we unfortunately only had a small sample size, but I think based off of what we were able to see, no one really had worsened symptoms. Um, we didn't really get a chance to look further out and say, did these folks get better um, quicker than folks that didn't have OMT? But I think there's certainly room to grow off of the study and say, are we doing treatment and are they having less symptoms? Are they having less intense symptoms, less frequent symptoms? Are their symptoms getting better sooner? Um, so I think that's certainly a good aspect on the concussion side. Um, and then when we think about more traumatic TBIs, a lot of times they have other injuries, a lot of musculoskeletal injuries. So how do we use our skills as a DO to not only treat the brain, but also treat some of the mus musculoskeletal injuries that may be causing pain and causing a patient to be agitated or things of that nature. Oh, you're right. Because like we were taught, a patient with brain injury, their agitation has to be coming from somewhere. So maybe treating their pain um, in some way uh, will be helpful. So I can imagine that that could be very useful in that scenario. Certainly. And uh, what advice do you have for residents looking to apply to a TBI fellowship? I'd say try to get involved as early as you can. Um, I think certainly showcasing that you're interested in TBI um, helps no matter where you're applying to. Um, I think there's such a wealth of knowledge that we have but and still need to learn about the brain and how it recovers. Um, so if you can be involved in some research, great. But even if you can just get experience with being on the inpatient rehab units or in an outpatient setting, I think that certainly speaks to a great respect for that you're interested in TBI. Um, and I think my doing an elective certainly helped me to just say, yes, I actually do know I want to do TBI. And I think that confirmed it for me. Um, a lot of times through residency, you may like something, but 
you want to make sure you write you like it for the right reason so if you go somewhere else and you still like it i think that's a good sign that you're pretty interested in it so absolutely absolutely it's consistency that's what it's yes. about all right so i like to end these on a fun note tell us about your favorite hobbies and what you like to do outside of being dr patel <laughs> um so most recently i have a 10 month old puppy so he's been keeping me quite busy training him i can't tell you the number of dog videos i've watched online um, to learn different tricks and skills uh, but besides that um, i think living in dc has really especially during this time has allowed me to see a lot of um, the political scene and i think that's something that I was interested in college. And I think that's coming back into my life of how do we advocate for our patients? How do we change our medical field? And so it's been interesting living in DC at this time. Um, there's a lot of uh, fitness folks out here. So I've gotten into biking as well. So that's been fun. I definitely am all for the, the, puppy, the puppy videos. <laughs> well, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us today. Um, how can your list, our listeners follow you or get in touch with you? Uh, so if you, you want to reach out, I'm always open to talking to, to medical students, residents, fellows, um, wherever you are along the process. Uh, my email I can leave with you. It's k-o-p-a-t-e-l at m-f-a dot g-w-u dot e-d-u. Um, feel free to reach out at any point and I'll get back to you. Awesome. So if you're a resident pursuing fellowship or just a medical student wanting to learn more about various opportunities in PM&R in general, subscribe to our AOC PM&R podcast so you can get notified about additional episodes. All right. Catch you guys next time. Thanks. Thank you.